0: Welcome to the NLPcourses.com show, where we push past the height and pull back the velvet curtains of creating a successful life with NLP. Diving into physiology, neuroscience, and linguistics so that NLP becomes a practical tool at home and in your career, moving beyond the techniques so that you can make a name, make money, or make a difference. Tune in weekly if you care more than others think wise as we set out on our quest to uncover the secrets of successful people from all walks of life. Make sure you head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe to receive our newsletter and receive free transcripts of each show. Here's your host, NLP Master Trainer, John Cassidy Rice.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. My name is John Cassidy Rice and I have the pleasure to have a guest speaker, Patrick, the author of The Oxygen Advantage. And it's a book I came across about a month or so ago that got me very excited. And it's talking about helping people with asthma, fitness and health and much more. Um, Breath being at the centre of our health and well-being. And I thought I'd reach out to Patrick and see if he would... uh, talk to us and give us some insights into this amazing technique that he's been promoting and his book. Hello, Patrick.
2: Hi, John, and thanks very much for the opportunity of sharing. Um, I think it's always good to generate some debate, um, and it's always good to, to come up you know, with a slightly different insight, and I think that's where this is going to come from. Yes,
1: yeah, so- I'm
2: guessing there might be
1: a little bit of controversy around it. A lot of breathing Mm. programs are about how to get as
2: much breath into your body as possible. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it doesn't make sense. Um, As human beings, we survive on food, water and air. And if you're eating three meals a day, it doesn't make sense to be eating six meals. But in terms of breathing, we also need a certain amount. And modern life is already causing us to overbreed. It's causing us to breathe too much. And this can be recognized I'm sure your listeners will, will understand that you know if you breathe with an open mouth, if you have upper chest breathing, if you sigh regularly, or if you if you simply look at your breathing, if it's easy to see your breathing during rest, and um, they would be typical characteristics that what I would be looking at and what what I want to do is you know the objective is to help bring people's breathing volume down towards normal because ultimately. Um, the circulation, the blood circulation, which comprises of 100,000 miles of blood vessels throughout the body and airways, upper and lower airways, for instance, from the nasal cavity right down to the lower, into the lungs, um, that's all influenced by how you breathe. So how they perform is influenced by how you breathe. And the whole advice of taking a deep breath or this big breath, it, it really doesn't make sense because when you're breathing is light and normal and through the nose your blood oxygen saturation is already 95 to 99%. So, the, you know, how fully loaded the hemoglobin is with, with oxygen, um, it's almost fully saturated. And you don't want it to be 100% because of diffusion. Basically, oxygen is going to be released from the lungs to the blood in a continuous space. So it's always going to hover in around 95 to 99%. Taking deep breaths, it's not going to add any more oxygen to the blood. But it, instead, it gets rid of a gas called carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide, it was discovered in 1904 by Christian Bohr um, he's a Danish physiologist and he discovered that the release of oxygen from the red blood cells is dependent on the presence of carbon dioxide so if you go around breathing too much or if you sleep with your mouth open or if you have your mouth open during the day or if you're taking noticeable breaths during rest you're losing too much CO2 and as a result the red blood cells hold onto oxygen instead of releasing it. So, the deep breaths that people are practicing, is actually causing less oxygen to be released to the tissues, rather than more. And how did the message get so widespread, given that it's entirely the wrong thing to do? I have no idea.
1: (laughs) Wow. that's That's quite a turn around, because every message you kind
2: of hear is taking deep breaths. Yes. And, you know, I asked people come into me with anxiety and I say, well, have you ever taken a deep breath to help with stress? And, you know, 95% of them will say yes. And I say, show me that deep breath. And they show me this big breath of fresh air that's taken into the lungs. And I say, how would you feel if you took 10 of those big breaths? And they say they feel lightheaded. Well, that's not because there's oversaturation of of the brain with oxygen. That's the opposite. Um so the deep breath, you know, how many people sleep with their mouths open? I'm sure many of your listeners are going to wake up in the morning and they've got to dry dry mouth, but they feel tired because their heavy breathing is, is disrupting their sleep, um, breathing through them out, and it's causing them to be fatigued the next day. And, of course, if you don't get a right night's sleep, you're not going to have a great day. And children, for example, who don't get a good night's sleep, um, they're very prone to becoming frustrated in school, um, you know, it's linked with behavioural problems. It can be linked with ADD. So there's a huge aspect in terms of how should we breed? Well, maybe look at the animal kingdom because the animal's minds haven't become distorted with, with false information. So if you think of an animal, um, even a cat, and hopefully the cat isn't too domesticated, but, you know, a cat that's living, say, a semi-wildlife, it's always going to have the mouth closed and breathe through the nose because and um, physically it's impossible for them to breathe through them out but also when the cat is lying at rest um, you'll tend not to hear the cat snoring now there can be some exceptions because we've kind of domesticated them but the cat will have very light breathing easy breathing through the nose and driven by the diaphragm and that's what we're looking for and when we were babies we were born with our mouths closed so the entire animal kingdom including when we were born are our nose and we only started mouth-breathing in in, generally in the 15th and 16th century. It was people from upper-middle-class backgrounds who had access to sugar. And how did they know that they were mouth-breathers? Well, when anthropologists dug up the graves, they knew by the, the shape of the skull. In other words, the whole development of the jaws is influenced by whether you breathe through your nose or whether you breathe through your mouth. Um, when the mouth is open, the face tends to be longer. The jaws tend to be set back. The, the maxilla, which is the top jaw, tends to be narrow, so there's overcrowding of teeth, And the mandible, which is the lower jaw, which is also set back, and it's set back in the airways. And this then increases the risk of obstructive sleep apnea, which is holding of the breath during sleep. An involuntary condition that puts a lot of pressure on the heart. So, we've, you know, in terms of breathing, human being has lost the most basic, simple thing. The You know, the function of breathing is the most important If you were to measure it in terms of food or water, we can live without food for weeks, we live without water for days, and we live without air for just a few minutes. And yet, nobody seems to know how much air should we be breathing. Well, fit and healthy people breathe lightly. It's through the nose, it's driven by the diaphragm, the amplitude of the breath is quite light during rest, there's a natural pause following each breath, And uh, conversely, the the unhealthy person, they become breathless walking up a flight of stairs. Um, They do any sort of physical exercise, they they become overly breathless. And they snore at night, which is heavy breathing. Um, You know, and of course, how does this feed in? Well, if you're breathing too much, as I said, it does influence the amount of oxygen delivered to the tissues and organs. And it also influences the airways. So even just in terms of asthma. 20 million people with asthma in the UK and we know from clinical you know, experience that the vast majority of people with asthma, they feel they're not getting enough air in through their nose so they're, they're going to open their mouth. Many of them have rhinitis which is a blocked nose, it's quite linked, it's generally about 50 to 60% and the nose, one of the functions of it is that there's a gas called nitric oxide that's released into the nasal cavity so when you breathe gently through your nose, you carry nitric oxide into the lungs and nitric oxide sterilizes the incoming air. Nitric oxide also helps with ventilation perfusion. In other words, that the distribution of blood is better throughout the lungs. And this is very important for people who are prone to colds and chest infections. So here we have a situation that 20 million people with asthma in the UK, most of them going around with the mouth open, and yet their nose, in, in synthesizing... Nasal nitric oxide, and nasal nitric oxide is the body's defence uh, um, to sterilise the incoming air, and also to help open up the airways. But yet, these people are not being told breathe through the nose. So it, it's amazing. Um, people with anxiety, you know, when we get stressed, our breathing gets faster. So therefore, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make sense to take bigger, faster breaths, because it's only going to amplify the stress response we need to be doing the opposite. So when people come into me, I look at their breathing, um, especially if they're prone to panic attacks and anxiety, and we just gently work on softening the breath, on slowing down the breath, on quietening the breath, and breathing through the nose. And that activates what's called the parasympathetic nervous system. It also dampens the sympathetic nervous system, which is the body's stress response. So through our breathing, we can dampen, the stress response and we can activate the relaxation response and by focusing on the breath over a period of time structural changes take place in the brain and the amygdala which is the body's fight or flight response shrinks so our ability to cope with stressful events improves and it's all through the breath and it's not about taking the deep or the big breath sponsor of
0: this week's nlpcourses.com podcast show is the NLP Master Practitioner. Complete a full MLP modelling project and pull together your NLP skills like no other course can. Head over to the website to grab your place today.
1: Wow, that was a lot of information. Some very valuable information. <laughs> Maybe you should have stepped in. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, so
1: what I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, Patrick, is to pick up some of the things that you've talked about there and mm-hmm. sleeping for instance has been shown to be a very yes. profound way to give you more energy um, it's also been shown to how how you lose weight and your body in yes. repair mode so what yes. wh- using this breathing method sleeping at night um, mm-hmm. and and I, I acknowledge that yes. i'm um, i normally sleep with my mouth open after reading your book i kind of picked that up how could we mm-hmm. take your principle and apply it when we sleep
2: well, how you breathe during the day determines how you breathe during your sleep. And we've been saying for 20 years to nose-breed. Nose-breed both during the day and nose-breed during sleep. Now, the doctor who discovered obstructive sleep apnea, which would be the most severe form of sleep disorder, um, his name is Dr. Christian Guimeneau, And he's a French doctor. He's based in Stanford in, the, in Stanford University in the United States. In the last two to three years, He has written and published papers about the importance of nose breathing during sleep. Now, his emphasis is on on pediatrics, but even still, the same principle applies to adults. If the mouth is open during sleep, you're not going to have a good night's sleep. So we advocate, we use, I know your your listeners are probably going to wonder, well, how how on earth can I have my mouth closed when I'm in the depths of sleep? So we use a a gentle paper tape and we, we press it across the lips. Now, of course, we have to bear in mind that we're also addressing somebody's breathing issues during the day. So it makes it in, for instance, we showed them how to decongest the nose by simply holding the breath. Um, And the more you start using the nose, the more the nose works for you. So therefore, it's easy then to maintain nasal breathing during sleep. And the sleep is totally different. Like everybody talks in, in talking about sleep, they're talking about the quantity of sleep. How much how much sleep should you have? But let's look at the quality of it you know eight and ten hours with your mouth hanging open during sleep snoring and holding your breath you're still going to wake up exhausted and you do six or seven hours or eight hours with your mouth closed with very light breathing you'll wake up very refreshed and very good energy levels and even for people with insomnia you know if we're in a state of sympathetic all day that it's go 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 and then you're trying to switch off at night well what's the best way to switch off follow the breath focus on the breath and bring the body from a state of stress into relaxation. So the three aspects with sleep, insomnia, snoring, obstructive sleep apnea, they're influenced by how you breathe. And light, quiet, nose breathing, sleeping on your side, not the back, because as soon as you go on the back, apnea is, for instance, there's a greater likelihood of holding the breath. Um, So light, nose breathing, and quiet, nose breathing. That's the key to a good night's sleep. Then you wake up refreshed, and uh, you're ready, ready to start your day. And, you know, you have got a, you've got a great coach in the UK. I think he's back based in Manchester. Um, his name is Nick Littlehale. And Nick Littlehale has just written a book on sleep. It's not out yet, but it'll be out by the time I suppose your, your podcast is out. Okay. So it's October, it's coming out. And he's a sleep expert. He, he works with different Premier League footballers, um, many, many of the world's elite athletes, and I suppose you could laugh and say, uh, how can, you know, why would an elite athlete need somebody to show you how to sleep? Well, it's like this. If you have an elite athlete and if they're not sleeping right, they're not going to remain at the top of their game. So it's it's very worthwhile looking at sleep because sleep literally determines focus, concentration, and, um, you know, determination, willpower. Everything is influenced by sleep. And, um, you know so getting it right is very important and with elite athletes they've recognized that as well All right. we
1: might have to see if we can get nick on the uh, podcast
2: <laughs> you'll have to <laughs> drop him a yeah. line yeah, yeah he's a good guy i'm e- sure i'm sure he'd be more than happy excellent excellent
1: now wanted, and I, I will say also that um i've experimented with the little tape across the mouth and it's a mm-hmm. it's the micropore tape you use isn't it
2: that's right yes. yeah so we use it's 3m micropore tape you'll get it in any pharmacy yes um it'll cost you about two pounds or so and you just you, you put a tab either side of it now of course it's best to do the nose unblocking exercise before you start um you'll get that free on youtube if you just put in my name patrick mccown how to unblock the nose um you should put it up there or if you feel that your breathing is a little bit labored put in my name into youtube and uh how to stop asthma attack or panic attack. It's a very simple exercise that you can be doing. Um, it only takes about three to four minutes. And it'll start, you know, teaching you, you know, the, the relationship between how you breathe and how open or close your nose is. And the relationship between how you breathe and how you feel. And I think it's good information. That's why we put them up on YouTube. Um, because we want to, p- to generate some debate on this. Yes. But it takes a long time to change people's mindsets and the best way to change your mindset is well somebody comes into me and they tell me they've done deep yoga for deep yoga breathing for 20 years i say that's great um now you're here and i want you to practice this for two weeks and i want to see is there a difference between how you're feeling in two weeks in comparison to your deep breathing for 20 years and that's the best way because, as they say that you know the proof of the pudding is is in the eating so yes. To experience the changes in body physiology, when you reverse, when you change to nose breathing, and when you bring down your breathing volume to normal, it's not just enough to breathe through the nose. We also need to consider breathing volume. And, you know, with children, John, 50% of children in the Western world go around with their mouths hanging open. These kids are not going to have a good quality of life, or they won't have the hundred percent quality of life that they should have. Their sleep can be affected, their academic performance can be affected, their behavior can be affected, the growth of their face can be affected, and um, more prone to forward head posture, dental cavities, gum disease, um, obstructive sleep apnea at night. Like the list is endless, and yet nobody is telling these kids you know, to breathe through the nose. And I've been at conferences with sleep experts. And sleep experts have said, we need engineers, we need accountants, we need all of the professions. But we're we're letting our children go around with their mouths hang open. And that's going to affect their sleep dramatically. And that in turn, one quote was that their brains are being fried. Now, you know, you could say, okay, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But when you look at the literature and you see the link between nose-breathing and sleep in paediatrics, any parent, we have to start looking at how our children breed. If you want your children to have a beautiful face and to get the best out of life, it's really important to start looking at this. And, of course, it's not just for children, it's also for the adults. I think it's something that we all need to take on board.
1: Excellent. And <clears throat> the, the other thing you were talking about there was the um, asthma. And I had asthma yes. as a child, and I remember how mm-hmm. scared and panicked I could become because I couldn't yes. breathe. Yes, And the instinct yeah. really is to take a deep breath in. And, yes. and as you say, you open your mouth. So yeah. how, if somebody yeah. has asthma, what could they do to get past that, being very anxious
2: about not yeah. opening it, in their mouth? To we take have to recognize, breath? we have to recognize that people with asthma, they breathe too much. Um, and they don't just breathe. Okay, you could say, well, they're breathing too much is because their condition is making them breathe too much. I accept that. That's correct. But it's also that they're breathing too much is feeding back into the condition. Because the airways of the person with asthma, they're able to cope with conditioning a certain volume of air each minute. But if we, if we overwork them by taking unconditioned, dry, cold air into the lungs which is going to be laden with bacteria, germs, animal dander, particles, pollen, etc. Um, the airways are going to narrow. You know, So we, we have to recognize that the nose is the first step. The nose is the body's defense against sterilizing the incoming air, but also helping to filter um, and also to warm and moist the incoming air. So if you're taking large breaths of air in through your mouth, you're going to cause cooling and drying out of the airways. Literally, the moisture is being sucked out of the airways, and this is causing them to constrict. As your airways constrict, you feel you're not getting enough air. When you feel you're not getting enough air, you're going to breathe harder. But when you breathe harder, it's going to further feed back into um, the airways constricting. So even though it'll feel, you know, probably not intuitively, it feels like the wrong thing to do. But we want people who would ask them to calm down their breathing. Because that's the only chance you have of being over, able to, to, you know, to, to reduce your attacks. Um, so we have a very small, small little exercise called many small breath holes and this is the one that I referred to earlier on um, and we simply have the individual with asthma they're sitting down and at the first stages of symptoms we have them take a small breath in through your nose, small breath out through your nose, pinch your nose, hold your breath for three to five seconds and then just breathe normally for ten seconds. And then breathe in through your nose breathe out through your nose hold your breath for three to five seconds and then breathe normally for 10 seconds and we have them do that repeatedly for three to five minutes and if they haven't stopped their symptoms in three to five minutes they take their ventolin. but if they were having a severe attack take the ventolin straight away the crux of it is to catch the symptoms early on and if you catch the symptoms early on you've got a great chance of, of stopping them but it's a great feeling of empowerment when you have somebody with asthma for the first time in their life they're able to stop their symptoms without having to run for medication and I'm just talking about the reliever medication here and um, it's a great feeling of empowerment and it's also teaching the individual with asthma how my breathing is influencing my condition like for years doctors have been saying you know send your child swimming and yeah, you, if you go to a non-fluorinated pool, which they're not so easy to find, but a non-fluorinated pool would, would always be best. The child has the face in the water, the water is pressing up against her tummy and chest, and their breathing volume is reduced. Swimming works because it forces the person with asthma to breathe less. That's why, if you if you send a child with with asthma, go out, go for a hard run there and five minutes into the run they could be coughing and wheezing especially if they're on the verge of symptoms anyway but with swimming they're able to cope with it so much better and this is the whole relationship why aren't we teaching our people with asthma why aren't we teaching the children and and adults with asthma to bring their breathing volume down towards normal because then we're going to empower them as opposed to a total reliance and like i'm not anti-medication at all there's a huge role for it steroid medication is absolutely necessary but let's teach these people, um, let's teach our children ways of helping to improve their asthma control to reduce their symptoms, improve their quality of life, and also to reduce their need for medication. We've had 10 clinical trials on the Buteco method for asthma, 10 clinical trials, and yet it, the information hasn't got out there. And it's just bizarre in the least. And I think it's because, you know, we're simple breathing people, we, we teach breathing. We don't have the massive resources, we don't have the marketing expenditure, we don't have the marketing budgets, we don't have the influence in the medical circles to start getting doctors to start teaching their patients breathe through their nose. But it's logical, it's proven. The British Triassic Society have given a one plus plus rating indicating that there's a rich body of evidence supporting it. So I think it's really we need a shift in awareness and we also need a shift in attitude if we're going to help people with asthma. Otherwise, we're going to go and spend the next 20 years, try the same treatments over and over and over, and asthma will so- show no signs of abating, and people will continue to have attacks. It places a huge resource on, for instance, economic economically, the amount, the amount of expenditure in hospitals, on A&Es, stretching resources. And yet we could teach people and children simple ways of how to improve drastic control yeah definitely because I also
1: like you said um it's that feeling of being out of control and being able to do nothing about it hear patrick's response next week if you can't wait until next week please visit the resource page where there's links to patrick's website
0: thank you for tuning in you were just listening to MLPcourses.com podcast show if you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and make sure to head over to nlpcourses.com to subscribe to our newsletter, where we keep you updated with in-depth NLP topics. Subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes on neural linguistics, programming, and beyond.